Welcome back to the Future is Green podcast. Today on episode two, we will be talking about the six dimensions of wellness. At the surface, health and wellness may seem to have different overlapping concepts, but when we dive deeper, we can see that they actually have key differences at their fundamental core. During the 1940s, the World Health Organization defined health as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. This definition, although vague, is still widely accepted among global health leaders. Within health, we have a few different primary determinants. Those can include social, economic, physical, environmental, and other key components of a person's individual behavior. We have some external factors such as environmental influence and even systems of care. Internal factors look more like the conscious ability to decide and make lifestyle choices for oneself. So in this instance, those internal factors are just as important as the external, and thus health depends on wellness. Let's envision a cliff. We have an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, waiting to catch anyone who falls off of the cliff. That's how we're operating in today's day and age. And although, yes, again, that is effective, we need a preventative fence at the top of the cliff. That's where wellness comes in. Wellness truly expands far beyond the horizons of physical health. And the National Wellness Institute defines wellness as the active process through which people become aware and make choices toward a more successful existence. It's multidimensional, and it's also positive and affirming. It's a state of growth. And because it's rooted in that growth mindset, it really neglects this mentality of sickness. And instead, it perceives wellness as a vehicle to optimize health. That was so great, Ireland. I really love the ambulance example with the cliff. I think that's a really great visual to help people understand the difference. But just to reiterate, all that Ireland said was that the difference between health and wellness is really the key component that health is a state of being, while wellness is a state of living a healthy lifestyle. Health refers to physical, mental, and social well-being, while wellness aims to enhance overall well-being. Going off of this, I think a really profound quote that kind of wraps together um, the difference and the similarities between health and wellness is from Confucius, actually, and it says, we have two lives, and the second begins when we realize we only have one. I love that, Lydia. Truly, every day is a new opportunity to choose yourself. We're the best investments we can make, and by choosing you day in and day out, you are committing to a higher standard of yourself, and also it's really important to recognize this is not a selfish decision. Putting yourself first and putting your oxygen mask on first allows you to help others in a more effective manner. Let's talk about why this change is actually possible from a scientific background. So at the Wiseman Institute of Science in Rehovot, Israel, they found some really groundbreaking research surrounding the regeneration and replenishing of bodily cells. So approximately one-third of our bodily mass is fluid that exists extracellularly, so outside of the cell. So that includes plasma and additional solids such as like calcium around the bones. And that remaining two-third is approximately, Lydia, get this, 30 trillion human cells. Wow. That is quite, quite a lot of cells. And so by number, excluding the additional 38 trillion bacterial and other viruses we have in our bodies, we have approximately 330 billion cells turnover per day. So... The cell breakdown goes with approximately 86% of blood cells, which have a lifespan of 3 to 120 days, and 12% of gut cells, which usually live for less than a week before they turn over. 
So the remaining cells we have turn over at a much slower rate. And we can see from these stats that the blood and the gut cells really dominate this whole cell turnover process. So let's think about 330 billion cells experiencing a daily turnover. That is approximately, if you were keeping up with all of the math, 1% of all of our human cells. So the point of all of this is that within 80 to 100 days, 30 trillion cells will experience turnover. So is a new you possible in 80 days? The research says yes, and this means that it's really never too late to make a change. Your body and your cells are constantly regenerating, replenishing, whatever the word you want to use. Change is possible, and science is here to prove it. So Lydia, would you like to talk about how we could cultivate maybe this culture rooted in wellness? For sure. And just going back to what Ireland just shared, I just think that is really fascinating and definitely really reassuring to know that there's scientific evidence that it's never too late to start again. And I think one great way to do that is by acknowledging and identifying the six dimensions of wellness, which can really help you organize your life and become a new you in a really organized manner. The six dimensions of wellness is an interdependent model developed by Dr. Bill Heddle, the co-founder of National Wellness Institute. The six dimensions include emotional, occupational, physical, social, intellectual, and spiritual. Through conscious efforts targeted at these core components, a holistic approach to wellness and overall fulfillment is achieved. The full integration of such components are critical to establish and maintain a balanced lifestyle that promotes overall health and well-being. Wellness serves as a vehicle to promote perseverance. I can't think of anything that's more motivating than believing in yourself and knowing that you're capable of getting yourself to the finish line of any goal or really just anything in life. So I think keeping your wellness goals clear and knowing how you can identify each one and serve each one properly is going to be something that we're going to take advantage of after this episode moving forward, and we hope you do too. There's six, like I said, so I'm going to just jump right in and tackle the first two, and then I'll hand it off to Ireland. We'll do a little back and forth to just share what these are. So the first two I'm going to talk about are emotional and spiritual. Emotional health is all about how we think and feel. The ability to cope with life changes, the ability to reframe unhealthy thought patterns and start new. And if you feel good, you can be a better person, not only towards yourself, but towards others in your life. So relationships, platonic and romantic, begin with you. And I think that's really the top thing to take away from this one is that you can't pour from an empty cup. So emotional health is really crucial for your own mindset, but also for those in your life that you care about. Putting your oxygen mask on first. For sure. The second one is spiritual health. This creates the environment within a purposeful life, transcendence and actualization of different dimensions and capacities of human beings. Wow. That sounds very overwhelming, but it's really <laughs> quite simple. Um, it's, we're just talking here about what lights your internal flame, what gets you going, what gets you out of bed, what helps you stay on your path. Is your path drawn and guided by maybe a religious ideology or something more philosophical? Maybe it's some people really buy into all of the yoga, the Zen stuff. I mean, I, I kind of am there. I mean, I'm working towards it. I don't know. But... So like I was saying, this may have a religious affiliation and that's open to all interpretations. And due to that, I think a fun little side note would be religion may impact your health in even more ways just due to different traditions and laws. So I'm thinking now like 
from my personal studies, maybe like kosher laws, like that definitely would have an impact on your health in an interesting way. So, you know, always so much to explore here and read about. Um, but spiritual health is really unique because it's very personalized. And even if you are following a structured religious ideology that guides your life, there's a lot of room for interpretation and you can make it for yourself and like personalize it. So I think that's really interesting. And honestly, these two I grouped together for our podcast episode because I think they are really interconnected. Um, religion can be really emotional and your emotions can also lead you away or lead you to a certain religion. So I think that's a really important thing to know and identifying that in yourself. So like we said earlier, just you do you. Light your flame. I love that. Light your flame. I'm going to dive a bit into social health. Social health really boils down to the interactions and just different ways in which we can create healthy and positive interpersonal relationships. So again, this can really be romantic and platonic. We're seeing a lot of overlap already within some of these different dimensions. And that does make sense because it is a multi-dimensional structure um, and also interdependent. So each different dimension relies on the others to be able to succeed. So going a bit more into social health, this really encompasses positive connections, giving and receiving social support, compassion, love, and encouraging communities and also encouraging yourself through that. So one way you can kind of assess your current social health status is think about your connections in your life friends, family, social connections. So it can really be anyone. Are these the people that are empowering you and bringing positivity to you? Who do you feel you're best around? What group of people? Those might be the people that you want to spend time with more. Although social media is great, setting timers to limit screen use can be super beneficial, especially with all of the detrimental effects that can come with social media use. Our next I mention is intellectual. Intellectual health is striving toward good mental health condition, continued intellectual growth, and creativity in life. A curious mind is a healthy mind, and learning new skills is the best way to implement this into your life. I can't think of anything more frustrating on an emotional, mental, and honestly physical level than kind of just waking up and living the same day over and over again, and especially during this weird transitional time of the year where I know for us, it's like hot one day, then cold the next. It's hard to find a routine with, like we said last episode, getting outside and finding that balance between work and play, essentially. And I think getting stuck in a rut is just really easy. And it's really difficult to get out of sometimes if you don't have a plan in place or maybe just like some ideas. And I think this dimension really touches on that in a way because intellectual health is all about stimulation a good way to exercise your mind outside of academic work might be reading a book, journaling, doing some like brain game puzzles, honestly anything to just learn a new skill and keep your mind active. It's also really rewarding to your brain to complete something new. That sense of accomplishment goes a long way and can be that extra like jolt you need in your day or your week to just get you back on track and get going. So intellectual health is extremely important and it is different than just academia. Like it is a separation because we all have academic work or maybe like work for your job in your day that's mandatory. And at one point that was pretty 
intellectually stimulating, and it still is. Like, you're learning new things all the time and completing tasks that are graded, and those are very important, but those are also stressful, and they're not things that you are doing necessarily maybe because you want to. You're doing them because you have to, and there's external pressure to complete them. These are really important because the drive to complete them and the desire to do them comes from within, so you can really choose what you're doing and make it meaningful and personal to you, which is extremely important. Like, I know for me, I don't think I would really enjoy sitting down and doing a puzzle, but I would love to have time in my day to, like, read a book for fun. And so for me, that's intellectually stimulating and something that I like to do if I have the time um, and get back on track with getting out of a rut. So, I mean, I've, I've kind of been in a rut. I don't know about you, but, like, this Elon weather here this week and this past month has just been, like, a little all over the place. So I felt kind of, like, every day's a little mundane and I'm waking up having the same days over and over again. So having time to you know, recharge my social battery with some friends, having some independent reading time to get that intellectual learning going. It's just, it's been good. So this is a, a healthy thing and we're happy to, happy to see it here firsthand. <laughs> so much so. And I think one way Lydia and I are really engaging in our intellectual health right now is learning more about areas of interest. There has to be something, I guarantee an area for every person that they're at least relatively passionate about or have an interest in. Watch a TED Talk, go online. There are so many different ways to take in this information and exercise your mind. So let's jump from mind with the intellectual health to body with physical health. So physical health really hones in on the condition of your physical body. And this encompasses everything from the absence or even presence of disease to fitness level to self-care through the lens of a perspective that considers physical health as the input and output of energy you could view that as a foundation of vitality if you will so think about energy and how it's acquired typically food and our drink how is that energy stored or expended so thinking about that output there so within diet and lifestyle choices it can go one of two ways. You can make choices that either promote energy acquisition through enriching activities like exercise, journaling, honestly, as Lydia said too, um, that's something that could lower your stress and actually have a bodily impact. So that could be carried out in that way. But similarly, you could also engage in activities that may harm your ability to prosper on your health and wellness journey. So I don't want to talk about this in a restricting manner, but I would say to encourage yourself and those around you to just gain more awareness and be more conscious of your intake, no matter what that may be. Identify, like we were saying in the first episode, what makes you feel your best. If you actually wrote a list out of like the top 10 foods and or activities that make you feel your best, what does that look like? And what things don't make you feel your best? And then just think about that more when you're engaging in those activities, not restricting them, but just being more conscious of it. So let's talk about some good nutritional habits. Those are highly personalized, of course, person to person, but generally they're reflective of a diet that consists of lean protein, fruits and veggies. We always think about like colorful foods too. There's some interesting studies on that. Also including whole grains and healthy fats. And maybe let's take it back to episode one with the good life philosophy. We talked about what fuels you the most and what doesn't. And also what allows you to release your energy. It's different for different people. Some people want to run. Some people want to play tennis to get it out. Some people, maybe like Lydia and I, dance. 
There's so many ways to actually release this energy and finding what works for you is key. So really identifying what fuels you and what allows you to release it the best way possible. Rest. Perhaps one of our favorites and often overlooked with this hustle culture. There is a balance. Nothing works without balance. As Lydia said, in life, in wellness, in relationships, in fig, balance. We need sleep and rest. This is incredibly essential too with any type of illness or injury that may come up. And not even illness or injury, but just being on your A game. You need rest to perform your best. Why we're recording today, actually, maybe instead of how we had planned earlier in the week. Totally, Ireland. Like she said, we really just need balance. And with that, sometimes comes schedule changes. And you have to be able to go with the flow with that a little bit. We are both very organized people, so that can sometimes be tough to regroup and come up with a plan B. But in the end, it's always the better option. So for us this week, we're actually filming a week later than we had intended for episode two. But you know what? Life happens. There were some illnesses. There were some just low energy moments. And we decided we want to create a quality product for you guys, a great episode, give our A game. So rest had to be prioritized last week. And we're so glad that we went with this option because now we feel like we've really prepared something that's worthy of sharing with everyone. And we feel well rested now for it too. Absolutely. So to jump into our last dimension, which is occupational health, Occupational health really dives into what fulfills you personally and what enriches you through your work. At the core of occupational health lies you, so your unique set of gifts, skills, and talents. There is only one of you on this earth, and you are gifted with this unique set, like I was saying, so think about that. There are things and skills and talents and just overall characteristics that set you apart from others and differentiate you. And that's a great thing. And how can you make that into a meaningful and rewarding approach at work? So maybe think about what you're passionate about. What sets your soul on fire? And if money was taken out of the equation, what would you do? To assess the occupational sector, go beyond do you enjoy the work you do. I feel like people a lot of times say, oh, do you like your job? And Oh, it's great. It's great. But let's go beyond that. Does your work and your day-to-day occupational experience reflect your personal values? And are there opportunities at your job for growth and also the ability to contribute in a way that justifies a feeling of importance about the work that you're doing? You want to feel like what you're doing is meaningful and that will help you in the sense that it's rewarding. Another area we'll touch on is financial security within occupational health. Although I did ask you just 30 seconds ago if money was taken out, what would you do? That would be naive to not acknowledge financial security. So thinking about how can you make a comfortable living for yourself and those around you if you live with other people based off of your chosen occupation. I think there really is a way to make it work regardless. And you want to think about yourself and doing something every day that makes you excited. Honestly, one of my biggest fears is doing something or being in a job that I'm not happy at every day. And there's this like uncomfortable phase with that too, where you want to be so secure, but that also could mean jumping around and trying new things. When you're exploring different areas, 
you're not starting from zero. You're starting from experience, even if you jump over it. There are always transferable skills from any occupation, and you should explore your interests and really find out what sets your soul on fire. Because if you're going to be doing that nine to five for the rest of your life, you want to make sure it's something you enjoy. For sure, Ireland. I really love that. I also think that it's important to note that I know a lot of our listeners are college age or maybe grad school age, that it's okay to find a career that you love that maybe is not a direct correlation from your major. Your major got you to graduation and that diploma from undergrad got you an interview. And from there, the world is really yours. You should definitely try new things, jump around, find what really fuels you. Um, And I think too, knowing that I mean, this is a silly quote that I feel like a lot of people probably laugh at, and maybe you'll laugh at me now, but that's okay. But if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I really believe that. Like, I think that you can find a job that you love just as much as something you would do for leisure and make it something that can support you and your family. And I think that's a really lofty goal, maybe, but I think it's attainable if you set yourself up for success. And if you were to express interest at work about an area you wanted to get involved in, sure, it could be shut down, but you expressing interest, I would think, probably excites your boss and or other individuals around you. When you're bringing something that you're passionate about, like, you can dive into different areas within an occupation. Another quote I'll share, big on the quotes, as you can Mm -hmm. probably tell. You are not a tree. I read that once. I forgot who said it. I'll put it in the show notes. But it said, are you a tree? No, we're not trees. So we don't have to stay still. We can move. It's okay. And just finding what works out for you in the best way possible. I love that quote. I really, we do love the quotes here, but that's a good one. I think it's really like, it's, it sounds silly, but it's inspiring because you don't have to be afraid of trying something new. And it really does put things into perspective. Like, you're not a tree, you're a human. You can move, you can stay, it's up to you. You have the power to choose and to change. And change based on new information. Like, let's let's roll it back to the scientific method or any research. You want to identify your conclusions, and also you can make different decisions based on new information. That's okay. So don't be scared to jump around. Explore your interests. This is the time to do it. For sure. Going back to Ireland's point on occupational health about, I think that an an employer would be impressed by someone stepping up and, you know, expressing interest in an additional field or maybe a new department that could be founded at a company. I think it really shows leadership and it shows a tenacity and just a drive that I think a lot of people are lacking right now. And I just post COVID, but also maybe just in your industry, like I don't, We don't have, like, jobs yet, but I I think that so many of these sought-after careers, so, like, maybe for Ireland being a doctor, for me being a lawyer, have been so set in stone, like, just the ways have been, the traditional practices have yet to really be, I don't want to say improved, that's not true, but they have pretty much followed the same path and routine for so long that I think getting some young blood in there and getting new ideas flowing um, and just making the work culture more balanced is going to be something that I think our generation is going to bring and it's going to be really exciting to be a part of witness. Absolutely. This whole hustle culture, although we love the hustle, there's rest in the hustle too. And at the core, there's balance and we can only thrive when that balance is in fact a balance. So 
we're going to jump into our giveaway. Yes, okay. This is such an exciting week for us. Last week, we had our first giveaway that we ran on Instagram in collaboration with one of our local favorite places to get a bite at, which is called Crush Superfoods in Burlington, North Carolina. The owners are super sweet. They make the most delicious smoothies, smoothie bowls. And nutritious. Yeah, they're nutritious too. And energy bites. I think they also now are making like coffee and matcha. So definitely to try that. But they were super generous and were able to give away a $25 gift card and also a customized fig bowl. Um, our winner was already announced on Instagram, but we'll give her an extra shout out here. Mary Grace Cavey was our winner. And let's just go back to Crush for a second. What is your favorite item at Crush right now, Lydia? Mm, I like the gut cleanser bowl, but I take off the bee pollen and add blueberries. I love that. I love bowls too, but when I'm in a rush, I do usually go with the smoothie. My favorite is the Oasis smoothie. It's great for on the go when I don't always have time for a bowl. But I have to say, the pumpkin bowl, I'm not sure if it's still available. I did Uber Eats that the other day, and it started my morning off the best <laughs> way possible. So pumpkin, pumpkin season lives on. Love Crush. They have, I honestly don't think I've ever had a bad product. I think everything there is so good. And it's really fresh. Like you can, it's in a food hall if anyone's local listening. So you can go and watch them make it, which I think is kind of fun, something different. You know, it's not just being poured in from like a plastic baggie with like added sugar. Like it's really fresh produce. They're blending it on the spot. It's very customizable, too. Like I said, I take off the bee pollen from my bowl. Just because it's not my favorite. But it's really, it's awesome. I love it there. We love Crush. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed episode two. We look forward to filming more content for you soon. All references and stats will be listed in our show notes if you want to further explore.